Hello and welcome to Your Employment Matters. I'm Beverly Williams and I'm here to help you navigate your career. This is for anyone who's searching for their dream job or promotion, or perhaps you're just looking to hang on to the job you have. Today's work environments are multi-generational, multi-religious, multinational, multiracial, and multi-gender and multi-gender identity. Add market disruptors like Amazon and Lyft, along with the addition of AI, and it's easy to see why finding and keeping a job is such a challenge. Employment success and even employment survival depend on your ability to adapt. That's why my goal for this 30-minute podcast is to first advocate embracing change and differences, and second, to encourage you to proactively assume responsibility for your career. Get your work week off to a good start by listening to Your Employment Matters every Monday. Find out how to own your career and get the best practices for making your employment matter. Shorty Huber is a New Jersey native and a graduate of Drexel University in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He is also the drummer of Philadelphia's punk rock indie band, Modern Baseball, and two-piece punk rock band, Vicky Speedboat, as well as singer-songwriter for Steady Hands, another group. For the last couple of years, Sean has been working full-time as a sales rep and more recently a Mid-Atlantic Territory Sales Manager for Two Roads Brewing Company. Now, I'm an advocate of multiple income streams, which is only one reason I'm really looking forward to talking to Sean today. Welcome, Sean. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I've been told by reliable sources that you were encouraged to join the family business, but you had other ideas. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. You know, my father's a dentist and uh, he had two sons, so he thought he had uh, double the chance to get one of us to eventually follow in his footsteps and uh, take over his practice. But, you know, growing up uh, watching how hard a dentist has to work and uh, the hours spent in one room uh, didn't make it uh, the most attractive thing to me growing up. In the interest of full disclosure, Sean's father, Dr. James Huber, is my dentist and also a podcast guest. Now, I know from personal experience, Sean, it's not easy to tell fathers no, especially (laughs) when they're really when they really want you to do something. How did you tell him no? Um, I mean, I think. For me, it it was kind of obvious. I don't think there was a a concrete point where I had to tell him no. He was just really encouraging for us to pick up the family business. And, you know, certainly um, in lieu of babysitting, I spent some time sitting in a a chair next to him as he was operating on a patient during an emergency call. But, um, you know, from a really young age, I, uh, I definitely started to showcase a much more creative side. I thought a little bit more outside the box. So I think by the time uh, it was actually applicable for me to start my journey to becoming a dentist, um, I was already knee deep in a bunch of different other interests. And um, additionally, I also uh, I was born with tremors, so my hands shake quite a lot. So I'm definitely uh, not a good surgeon nor dentist. 
I would agree. <laughs> as a as a potential as a potential patient, I would agree. Yes. <laughs> I would never want to put someone through that. Right. Okay, I understand. Now, I read somewhere I believe that you've been playing drums since you were 11. Is that true? Yes. Did that help with the tremors? Um, no, no, not at all. No. It's just one of those things um, I've always dealt with. Um, and it's not, you know, severe or anything. Um, just something I got to be aware of. And, um, you know, when it comes to drumming or anything rhythm related, you just got to make sure, you know, you're healthy, you're warmed up. Um, and it, because it could be a little bit more difficult to just uh, jump behind a drum kit without warming up when you're kind of battling against that. Right. So th- that's really interesting. A lot of people have challenges big and small, uh, whether it's tremors or whether it's stuttering or anything else. And sometimes people think that they can't be successful. They can't do the things that they aspire to do. They can't follow their passions because they're different or they have something that they feel makes them different. So I'm glad that you shared that with us because people need to hear that despite tremors, you're still, as your father describes you, a rock star. Did I, I, did I, I've never talked to you before, so I really haven't really shared this with you. Every time I got into your father's chair, he would say, my, he would refer to you as my son, the rock star. <laughs> and I just, you know, I, I, I didn't, I know your father is a dear man. I didn't think he was lying, but I thought it was an exaggeration. <laughs> and I just didn't pay any attention to him. So, he kept saying it. Every time I got in the chair, he'd talk about his sons and uh, said, and my son, the rock star. And I said, okay, Dr. Huber, your son, the rock star, really? And he looks at me, he says, yes, Beverly, he's a rock star. I said, is he really? He said, yes. And he then he told me about the article in the New York Times. And I read it. It was very impressive. Everybody doesn't get written up in the uh, New York Times, everybody as an individual or as a group. That must have been huge for you and your group. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely a, a big surprise. Um, and it's it's one of those things when, when you play um, in a, you know indie band or you play alternative music, you know, the outlets that kind of cover you don't necessarily make it all the way to, say, your grandparents. But a lot of people read the New York Times. So it kind of uh, was really interesting to see uh, our coverage go really far outside of our own little bubble. Sure, no, that was, and it was a really favorable article. Very impressive. Yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> we're happy about that for sure. <laughs> now, when you started playing drums at 11, did you know then that you wanted a music career? Yeah, for sure. As soon as I started playing and, you know, kind of discovered music, I knew um, it's something I wanted to do. I never really planned to do it on the uh, the level that I eventually found myself, but I think that's more just a testament of the the style of music I was always uh, in favor of, and just kind of the scene um, that comes with playing punk rock music or playing indie music. Um, it's very much DIY, uh, which stands for do it yourself. So yeah. everybody's very encouraging, and for me. All I ever wanted to do was just play in front of people. And then I got that chance. And then all I wanted to do was play in front of more people. And then it became, I wanted to play in a lot of different places. And it's just those little incremental achievements that you make that you kind of work your way up the ranks. But 
you know, at the beginning, you're just you're just doing it for the love of it. And, you know, anything that comes out of it, whether it be career wise or financially, is just a bonus. It must be. I don't know whether gratifying is the word, but to play in front of a huge group of people, a crowd, and have them feeding off what you're doing, that must be an awesome feeling. And I don't use the word awesome lightly. I mean, just hearing people enjoy what you're doing and know the words to what to some of your songs is, is huge. Yeah, it's certainly uh, really exciting um, and gratifying. And um, I've certainly played to know people many, many times in my life. So it's preferable when there are people there and they seem yeah. to be enjoying themselves rather than staring at you. Listen, you have fans. When I sent you the, the intro uh, for this uh, interview, I told my godchild that I was interviewing someone, the drummer from Modern Baseball. She started screaming. And I said, what do you know about modern baseball? She said, oh, my friend Katie, that's her favorite group. And when I did a webinar at a local university, one of the grad students, I don't even know how modern baseball came up. I must have mentioned it. And she started screaming. And I said, wow, my my street cred has gone up a (laughs) hundredfold. Exactly. You know, this is this is great. This is great. But you graduated from Drexel. Yes. As I mentioned in your, um, in your in the introduction. Now, I was going to ask you whether that was something that you planned to do, but people don't typically apply for and get and attend college without intending to graduate. But once you became a member of Modern Baseball, were you ever tempted to just leave school and go on tour? See, well, it's actually interesting. Um, so when I, you know, applied for college, you know, as supportive as my parents were for pursuing art, um, at the end of the day, there was no chance uh, that I wasn't going to graduate college, and I knew that, um, and I was excited about going to college anyway. But I went to college and I was studying film there, um, and I was taking that uh, quite seriously um, as a career path, um, and I, I did spend some time working in it. But at the same time, I was just playing on the music on the side. Because like I said, it was just something that I loved to do. And, you know, all I wanted to do was have the opportunities there. I wasn't, you know, basing my entire career on it. But then started playing a couple of bands. And then when I actually actually eventually played uh, with the modern baseball guys, I was uh, a couple years older. So I was very fortunate that I graduated college and I left for my first full U.S. tour about two weeks later. So timing was really in favor of me. Some of the other guys were a bit younger, so they had to kind of make decisions and take time off to school and go back and forth. But for me, it was just the timing lined up perfectly. Would you have done anything differently, do you think, if it hadn't, if the timing hadn't been what, as you described? I mean, I couldn't have ever seen myself leaving college. I think I would have just kind of grinded my teeth and just made it work until I finished. More so for me is when I was about three quarters of the way through college. I started working full time uh, for a for a documentary music organization, and it was a really great job with great people. Where I was, I was doing video editing, but it was also very, very music based. So rather than leaving college to go on tour, I had to leave that job. So that was disappointing to me. So that's kind of where I had to make a compromise. 
Are you still interested in film production? Uh, I'm I'm very interested and I'm still involved with the organization I worked for, but uh, I no longer do day to day work with them, which is mostly just because I was uh, pursuing music and I was on the road for so long that you kind of get separated out of your industry and the way technology improves at such a rapid pace, you just kind of get out of the loop. So when I slowed down touring, um, I did evaluate whether or not to get back into it. And I chose not to, but it's always something in the back of my head um, because I really did enjoy doing uh, video editing. Well, you know, interestingly enough, one of the upcoming podcast guests is, in fact, we're recording the interview on Saturday. He has produced two PBS documentaries. He got laid off and um, didn't know what to do with, you know, down in the dumps, you know, woe is me. And then like within seven years, he had produced a documentary film about Hudson River Valley artists. And he's going to do the third part of the series. It didn't start out as a series, but it's become so popular. He's doing a third part in the UK because the artist did do work over there. Oh, so, fantastic. you know, please listen in. <laughs> <laughs> I will, I'll let I will. you know uh, when he's, when his podcast, when his interview is going to air, but it's, it's really, he has an interesting, very interesting story. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I'd love to hear that. Now, you know, modern baseball must've had some challenges can you tell us or describe some of the challenges the group had and and how you overcame the challenges if you did and what you would recommend for anyone who is starting a band, a fledgling band or is considering it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think more so than other bands, we definitely, um, we definitely grew uh, a lot quicker than a lot of bands have, you know, been at on the grind. But with that being said, I mean, we spent years sleeping on floors and, you know, 12 hour drives in the van, very little sleep, you know, worrying about money, worrying about where you're going to where you're going to get food, all that kind of stuff Because being in an independent band is really, really difficult um, at the beginning. The way you get through that is just, um, you know, sheer excitement that you have doing something for the first time and just pushing yourself as hard as you can to try to make it. And when you finally do make it, there's a new set of challenges because when we started, we were doing everything ourselves and we are controlling everything and making every decision. And then when you start to grow, you know, you start to have a crew of people, you know, you have a sound guy, you have a lighting person, uh, a merchandise person and managers and booking agents. So there becomes a lot of moving parts. So for us, I think the big challenge was just kind of graduating from the level where we're just slumming it in the van, sleeping on floors, doing it all ourselves, really homegrown to kind of when we grew and you're responsible for a number of people. Or if you're playing a larger venue and, you know, there's a couple hundred kids there, you're all of a sudden really concerned with everybody's safety and making sure that the production itself goes off without a hitch because you don't want to disappoint anybody at that place. Well, at the beginning, you were just kind of all in it for yourselves. It becomes a lot more responsibility as you get larger and larger. Adult issues. Yes, exactly. You know, they're not fun, but it's a necessity. Now, I've heard that 
modern baseball is now on hiatus, but that you and other friends, as I said, Jort, you you're in two other groups, Vicky Speedboat and Steady Hands. Yes. How do you manage being in three in three groups? How how do you do that? Logistically. Uh, for me, it was always just kind of um, having that extra creative outlet because I was spending a lot of time playing drums in modern baseball, but I also play other instruments and I'm a songwriter. So that was always a vehicle for me to ex- express that those different sides of myself. Also with a band like Steady Hands, you know, it's always had a kind of a rotating lineup of a large group of my friends. And for me, it was just another opportunity to play m- music with more people. That I didn't necessarily always get to play with. In terms of just juggling it all, you know, it's just a lot of planning. And, you know, I'd come home from tour. Maybe I was out on tour for eight months. And sometimes you'd come home and you would just have three months off. So as long as you prepare and make the right arrangements beforehand, you can use that time to your own advantage. Because when people have normal jobs, it's just kind of nine to five. And then they have their weekends and their vacation and they can do stuff. But when it comes to being a touring band, you're on the road constantly. So when you're off the road, unless you're doing a, a side job to make extra income, which I certainly have, you have a really large chunk of time off. So you can kind of choose to use that however you want. So I always kind of tried to use that opportunity to uh, facilitate other music projects I was working on. Well, I'm sure that's helpful to to listeners who aspire to be band members. Everyone's not organized though. Some people might find that to be a challenge. It's, you know, I have friends who can't get from point A to point B on time. So organizing something as you described would be a challenge for them, but it can be done if they're so inclined. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things I was moved about when I read the article, the, the New York Times article that I referred to earlier I was moved by the support and the solidarity that the members of Modern Baseball demonstrated when one of the band members had an emotional challenge. So many people have similar concerns without disclosing any confidential or private material. Can you share how Modern Baseball addressed those challenges? Yeah, I mean, we just wanted to be really honest about the situation. I think uh, a lot of bands who are having a lot of trouble or in any industry, you just you want to show face. So you just uh, keep going and keep going um, no matter how damaging or destructive it can be. So we made the decision to just be completely honest of where we're all at and, you know, take time off and do what we all needed to do to make sure everybody was healthy. And when doing that, we've we've met so many uh, supporters and friends and fans who've gone through a similar thing who really appreciated seeing someone address it like that and treat it like that to kind of re- remove any stigma that might come with it. No, I thought it was important, especially in the New York Times article, so many people would see that and it might give them some ideas about how to deal with things going in in their personal life or someone that they cared about. I think nowadays we're, we're more open to discussing emotional challenges, whether it's depression or any other kind of, of thing that brings us down or affects us uh, emotionally or mentally 
or even physically, you know, people don't even want to talk about physical challenges that they have that are not easily seen. You know, nobody wants to be different. Yeah, absolutely. You know, everybody wants to be the same, especially when it comes to something that in the past has not been addressed or spoken about openly. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm really, I'm glad. I'm glad that there's more discussion around such topics because it means that people will get the support that they, that they need and that they deserve. Absolutely. That they deserve. Now, what personal advice would you give someone who wanted to pursue a career like yours? I mean, there's the old adage of just practice. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's so much more than that because uh, I know so many musicians who are a uh, hundred times more talented than me or any of my friends, but uh, they were never able to do anything with it. There's practicing, but also luck has a big place to play in it. But regardless, I mean, for us, it was just kind of sheer determination and drive and also just not putting your nose up at any opportunity. The amount of people we've just met on the road or just playing a random show at someone's basement, their garage, who ended up being lifelong friends. And as their careers grew, we helped each other out. So it's just being a really kind and welcoming person and keeping in touch with people and making friends along the way who are there to help you if you kind of try to treat it like your own personal bubble and make it all about your project and getting ahead and getting ahead of other people, you're not going to get anywhere. It's more the community that kind of helps raise up everyone together. So we were able to find some, some of the strangest relationships that ended up benefiting us later down the line, just because we were always really open with people. I think that's a challenge that some people have opportunity doesn't knock often. Mm -hmm. And when it knocks, when there's an opportunity that presents itself, we need to be able to recognize it. What you just said, if we are kind and welcoming, it's more likely that opportunities will come our way. Some of the people I've interviewed, not specifically for the podcast, but in connection with my book, Get the Job Done, I found that people think that, oh, I I can't do it now. I'm not going to do it now, but I'll I'll do this. It'll come back. Mm -hmm. I'll be asked again, and and then I'll do it. Opportunity doesn't knock multiple times on many occasions. It just doesn't. And you have to be able to recognize it as an opportunity and avail yourself of it. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, that is not always the case. Mm -hmm. Well, Sean... I know your fans are, and I are, are interested in knowing when modern baseball will be off hiatus. Anytime soon? Uh, no, no plans for anything soon. What about Steady Hands or Vicky Speedboat? Uh, yep, Vicky Speedboat. Where can, um, they, where can people, where can listeners hear you? Sure. Yeah, you can um, check out Steady Hands and Vicky Speedboat on Spotify, Apple Music, all those usual suspects. Also on Instagram and Twitter, all of my content usually comes from Steady Hands Social Club. That's usually the best way to figure out what I've gotten going on at a given time. And right now, Vicky Speedboat, we're just working on some new music, me and, and my partner in that, Will. And then for Steady Hands, we put out a record 
a little over a year ago. And uh, we're just uh, kind of playing around. So they just want to check out those socials um, and they'll be able to see when the next show is. The New York Times described modern baseball fans as an obsessive following. And I know your fans are looking forward to hearing from you again. And you've told them where to uh, where to go, which is great. I hope that things work out and the hiatus is over soon. But I know your fans will be glad to hear from you. And I so appreciate you taking the time to speak about the things that you you have today, because I think in many instances, they're going to help a lot of people. Awesome. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. And we look forward to following your career. I know I will. I know your father will keep me posted. I bet he will. Such a nice man. Thank you again, Sean. Of course. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Your Employment Matters with Beverly Williams. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a review. I truly appreciate your support and that helps other listeners find the podcast. If you have a comment, question, or suggestion, you can reach me at bawilliams at youremploymentmatters.com. My book, Get the Job Done, is available on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. Please join me again next week. Until then, remember to embrace change and differences. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.